Marty Klum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 61. And for episode number 61, we bring in the man, the myth, the legend from Sarpy County, Andy Gerlez, the Papillion La Vista South girls basketball coach. But before we talk to Coach G, as he's more commonly known, we want to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CossackChiro.com or make an appointment uh, and give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. That's the uh, handle name, a pen and a napkin. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter site, so the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, thanks so much for listening. You're either on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download, rate, and review. Give us five stars so that we can get the word out, gain momentum, and help coaches hone their craft one day at a time. And if you would like to email the pod, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, I get about two emails a week from Coach G, so he knows the the, the name of the, or he knows the email web or the site here. A pen and a napkin at gmail dot com. Coach G, how is you? How is your fine Sunday afternoon going here? It's going well. Looking forward to visiting with you about basketball. Yeah, it should be good. How's practice going so far? It's interesting. Uh, you know, all of our girls are wearing masks. I'm wearing masks the whole time. Uh, even when we're live, we're wearing masks. Um, we have right now approximately eight or nine basketball players that are quarantined. And so it's made it kind of a challenge. But, uh, you know, that's fine. I mean, I'm sure everybody's in that type of a situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got three or so girls on our varsity that have been quarantined. None of them have been positive, um, or at least the, the ones that are quarantined now. And so, um, but they still have to have to sit it out for a while. So just kind of creating opportunities for other people. And then we'll welcome those kids back when they get cleared. Is, is that the way you're kind of selling it to your, your, your kids here is, yeah, this, this stinks, but also you need to treat it as a chance to where, Hey, you know, I can, I can have, I have a chance to make some hay here, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, every day's a chance to get better. And we try to, you know, really talk to our kids about, um, being appreciative uh-huh. uh, yep. more so than ever. I mean, we, I think we as coaches and just people in general always uh, talked about, Hey, today's a blessing. Hey, being a practice is a blessing. Well, you know, uh, it, you actually kind of mean it now. Like, you know, it's true before, but I think that this situation is really teaching us that we are very fortunate to be able to, to have practice. Now there's, you know, Lancaster County and, different states you know maybe it's kansas iowa different places they're not able to practice they're not able to have this opportunity that we have so we've got to really work hard to uh kind of honor that and be appreciative of the situation that we're in uh handle it the best that we can since we are able to practice and we're very fortunate at our school in our district that you know we've got a lot of people that are making sure that we're safe yeah um you know, from a superintendent uh, to the uh, building administrators, coaches, kids, custodial staff. I mean, there's a lot of people that are involved with trying to keep everybody safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you were talking about appreciation. 
you know, every day at the beginning of practice, I, I tell my kids, hey, we get a chance to practice today. We're blessed today. So let's take advantage of it. Let's be appreciative of it. Like you were saying, we don't know if we're going to be able to practice tomorrow, but we're here today. So let's make the most out of it. And I think the kids, you know, by now have some pretty good perspective on those type of things that, that they understand the the depth and the magnitude of the situation. Absolutely. I mean, like some of the things that we, our kids are doing, like our kids really want to have a season just like everybody does. But I mean, like you can see that they're doing the things that uh, we're asking them to do as far as wearing the masks, but also like kind of, they separate themselves at lunch. Like they'll all uh, sit to, you know, two or three of them will sit together um, kind of away from the, the other kids mm-hmm. and, um, We'll have them like set because you know this, this magical fifteen minute window. So one of them will set their uh, a timer on their phone for like twelve or thirteen minutes, and then when that goes off, they're like, "All right, well, we're finishing up with the masks back on." Yeah. You know, that way, you can say when uh, our principals or whoever has to do the contact tracing, we say, "Okay, where were you? Who are you with? Did you have a mask on? And all that type of thing." hopefully our girls will be able to say, yeah, you know, we had a mask on for the time that we were here and it didn't exceed that 15 minute window and just kind of try to hold each other accountable. I mean, it's, um, it's just what we have to do to, to be able to have a season. Yeah. And, you know, we, you talk about sacrifice, you know, one of the things we talked about the other day is, you know, usually you associate athletic sacrifice with, uh, coming in early to the weight room or coming in to get shots up or, you know, you, you, you choose to play basketball, therefore you can't do one-act play or something like that because it's hard to find the time for that type of thing. You know, one of the things we talked about was, hey, the sacrifices are different. You can't go and hang out with 20 people. You know, you can hang out with a couple of people, but you got to make sure there's six or eight feet between you and you still have to keep your mask on. And so the sacrifices that are usually associated with athletics, kind of the traditional sacrifices, are in many ways trumped now by this extra level of sacrifice that everybody needs to put in to keep everybody safe. And, and the kids have, have done for a most part, a pretty good, I I know in, in our school, I feel really safe. I I think, and our kids have done a really good job with the masks and that type of thing. And so we just, we just got to keep moving forward with it. And, and like you said, stay appreciative with it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we talk, I mean, like in my classroom, you know, just uh, and our principals do a great job of reinforcing that with us is to just continue to be vigilant because, I mean, it's easy to, to slip up now, you know, like, well, maybe I won't wipe the desk down at the end of this period. Or maybe, you know, if the kid doesn't have their mask on their nose for a few minutes, ah, whatever. But, I mean, you know, we got to stay after it. And, mm-hmm. you know, they get I get a lot of eye rolls and all that. And I'm like, well, you know, if you don't want to listen to me, then just sanitize when you come in, like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and do the things that we're, we're asking you to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I say, do you think I became a teacher so I could stand at the door and say sanitize? <laughs> or, you know, I think you did. I think you did. Sanitize? You know, yeah. 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 I figured, you know, 20 some years ago when I made this decision to be a teacher that I thought, gosh, you know, it should be great someday I can make sure the kids sanitize and wipe down their desk properly. Uh, I you think, know? I th- I think you got into it for the money. Well, that too, obviously. Yes. Yes. The, the high, the high role in lifestyle of, you know, Papillion La Vista public school district, you know, 
Well, well. Speaking of Papillion La Vista, let's let's move on from COVID. I, you know, everybody's talking about COVID and, and and that type of thing. Let's talk some basketball here. Uh, gee, I know you've listened to a few of these. Um, I'm glad you I'm glad you decided to come on. Uh, let us know. Uh, you know, you are at Papillion La Vista South. Been there for ten years now, which is kind of crazy that it's been that long. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, for you know, I know you pretty well, uh, but. Uh, for the folks that don't know you very well, just give us a background, and and here is what I wrote down. Uh, give us the background of the man who walks in Josh Siski's lengthy shadow every day, and how you ended up at Papillion La Vista South. Yeah, um, well, I would say uh, I knew I wanted to to be a coach for a while. Like even in high school, like when I was like a junior, senior in high school, I went back to my elementary school, which is St. Thomas More, okay. and coached the sixth grade team. So I would, you know, leave practice. I went to Creighton Prep, and I was a very poor player. Uh, very, very fortunate to just to make a team there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I would, when I get done with practice, I would go once or twice a week, whatever we practice, the St. Thomas More, and spend my Saturday mornings doing that. So I always knew I wanted to coach, but... Um, so then when I graduated from prep and then went to UNO, um, I just started to volunteer at prep, uh, and I did that for four years, helped out the sophomore team Mm -hmm. a little bit. And, uh, I wasn't really, I wouldn't consider myself coaching. I was just kind of there, um, kind of hanging around and trying to, um, just get a different perspective. And, you know, sometimes I would run a drill or something, but it's not like I was coaching. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of trying to learn and, and that. And then I helped with the JV and the varsity later on the, the, for a couple of years. And then my high school coach was Scott Hawk. Mm-hmm. And he was the the coach at prep uh, when I was helping their volunteering. And then he took the girls' job at Bellevue West. And I think that was probably 1998. Okay. 99 mm-hmm. and then um asked me to go with him to be the jv coach and then that's how i started coaching girls and mm-hmm. so um i did that for three years and then um took a year away to finish some things with the schooling and then um went to shelton nebraska mm-hmm. which is a small town but i think there's 1100 people yeah and, um you know, I had got that job, and they were 0-19 the year before, but I thought I got the UConn job. Like I was, <laughs> I was uh, extraordinarily happy. I thought, you know, I was, I got, like, the Willy Wonka golden ticket. And, and so, um, you know, we went and um, had a good experience there. You know, you, you teach in a school that size. You teach six different classes. I'm teaching seventh grade uh through through seniors mm-hmm. and um but it was, it was a good experience um great kids you know um uh, it's cool now because a lot of those girls are in their early 30s now and you know i've gotten to you know kind of see them grow up become wives and mothers and mm-hmm. and uh, they they're still like if we're playing in lincoln or grand island carney there's some of them that come to come to the games and that means a lot and then uh from there i went on to sutton nebraska Mm -hmm. and um you know that place uh is just uh there's just tremendous amount of talent and 
that's a really, really great town. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they just take so much pride in everything. I mean, there's businesses there that's very progressive with uh, doing things to keep people there. So, like, the kids uh, graduate from there, and then they want to raise their families there. So they go off to college and then come back and raise their families, and they take a lot of pride in the school. And they're good academically. They're good athletically. they got tremendous leadership, school board, uh, principal, superintendent, all that. And um, and then I ended up here in, at Papillion La Vista South 10 years ago. And, um, you know, I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, I wish we would have a little bit more success uh, with, with the basketball stuff. But uh, the kids are wonderful. Uh you know, the, the, the principals that I've worked for and the athletic directors that I've worked for, um, it's more like working with, really, because yeah. they are tremendous. I mean, like, they really, truly do what's best for kids and will support the coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, they're very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I've just been very fortunate throughout my career to, to have most of the principals mm-hmm. that I've worked for over the years be supportive mm-hmm. makes a huge difference yes it does absolutely you you get a a, a positive administrator who's going to have your back and and that is a that is a very positive thing for any coach uh that's that's a very valuable asset yeah and i would also add that i mean they'll have my back but they'll tell me you know like you need to do this or, yeah and you know like yep. um you know uh, in, in a very helpful way, you know, like, it, it'll, you know, I can remember sitting with our athletic director, uh, Mr. Jeremy Van Akron, and, you know, we were discussing uh, how many times a year do I meet with the girls about their role? And I said, well, once. And he said, try doing it more. So, um, so now we try to um, talk to our girls about three times a year, uh, if not more. Mm-hmm. And I split up our assistants and myself and we'll take each take three or four girls so that, you know, like I try to do it all myself and that was a fiasco. So like we just kind of split it up and, you know, did it that way. And if anyone wants to talk to me, they can obviously, but, yeah. um, you know, that way that, you know, there's, not any confusion. Well, there's always going to be confusion, but sure. I mean, so there's not as much. So there's stuff like that where they'll they'll say, "Hey, you know, have you tried this? Let's try that. You need to do. You need to be more visible at this stuff. You need to do this more, or whatever it is." Uh, and you know, so I feel that that's supporting me too, helping me uh, maybe with some things in my blind spot to to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 VA. I mean, I spent a summer coaching with him with the Pinnacle team, and and just a class guy, and and he'd be he'd be Absolutely. a great he'd be a great guy to to have as a boss. I you're you're really lucky in that regard. So, he, you know, he's had kids that have played that have been successful in some sports, but not as successful. He's a head coach for a long time, so mm-hmm. he gets it. He gets it, you know, and he well, knows he was it. the girls' coach at Papio South yep. for three years, you know, so yep. he's had this job. Yep. And so he knows some of the unique challenges with it and some of the unique opportunities as well. And so he's just a, a great mentor and a great guy for me to go in and just kind of bounce some ideas off of. Yep. Well, let's work backwards here, G. Um you, you you mentioned some things I wanted to talk about with you. I thought it was interesting. You uh, you and I are, are, are pretty 
uh, one thing that we have in common is we started out very, very young. I mean, you started coaching uh, the the St. Thomas More kids, which is which is one thing. But then you're you know your freshman year of college, you're coaching guys that you just went to high school with. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. Well, you ha- you had the title of of coach. Um, you know, I I was a student assistant when I was in college. My first year or two, there were play- there were players on the team that were older than me. Um, so, uh, what was that? You know, what was that experience like? What did you What did you learn? Uh, you know, just about coaching in general. You you had you, you know you and I are both the same. Where we both had a desire to do this, and we probably thought we knew a hell of a lot more than what we thought. But then we get into it, it's like, wow, this is a heck of a lot more complicated than what we thought, you know? Yeah, I just, um, you know, how the teams were put together, um, some of the things that are taken into consideration when I was uh, volunteering uh, at prep, uh, how hard the coaches worked, how much they cared, how much it really hurts the first week of the season. Uh, you know, when you've got to put lists out and kids' names are not on those lists, um, you know, when you're making cuts, um, just how much that, that really does weigh on the coaches and how much time they, they do put into it. You know, it's not as easy as everybody thinks it is, especially, um, for, for the teachers. Cause you know, like you'll cut a kid and you, you've got them in class yeah. and, you know, or you'll see them in the hall and, uh, you know, you can't help what, when you're a kid, especially, uh, to take it personally, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not going to really convince a 14 year old, Hey, this is a great opportunity. You know, like, like, uh, like, you know, people our age, like if you apply for a job and don't get it, like you're, you're probably more able to process that you're going to be pit, but you're going to, you're going to be upset. You're going to be, um, you know, feeling bitter, mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, but you probably are not, you, you know, you'll be able to process it in a way to say, okay, well, this isn't maybe the opportunity for me. I mean, you're not going to probably convince a 14-year-old of that. But yeah. um, so I just kind of learned like some of the behind-the-curtain stuff that you know I didn't I didn't have any clue about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a, a 19-year-old, mm-hmm. and so um, I, th- I think that those things um, stuck with me a little bit. Um, you know, I still run a lot of the same drills, but like, it's not the drills, but it's what you're teaching, uh-huh. how, how you're teaching it, things of that nature. Um, overall though, I mean, it was, it was, it was a good, it was a really good experience. I enjoyed it. Um, but I didn't really do much coaching until I got over to, to Bellevue West uh-huh. and, and, and was the JV girls coach there. Well, that, that's a that's a good lead in, G, because the next thing I was going to ask you was about Scott Hawk, and and this is a guy who's who's coached at about every level, uh, boys, girls, women, WNBA coach, and and done so many things within the game. Uh, you know, kind of an Omaha legend, but not nearly as known nationally, but, but did so many good things here for the city of Omaha and basketball, the city of Omaha. And, and you have a great relationship with him. I know, uh, what's, what were the, the things, like you said, when you, when you officially became a real coach at Bellevue West, you, you, you put on the cap and gown and you became a real coach. Uh, what, uh, what was that next level stuff that you took from him? Well, one of the things that, uh, you know, he, 
he's the most important person in my life and in my development uh, outside of probably my mom and my grandpa. And so, um, you know, as far, but as far as the coaching goes and in the, in the teaching too, because he was my American history teacher, is that he has a, a crazy unique ability to, to be a good teacher and to break things down to their simplest level. Like you can go to him with any kind of an issue on or off the court and he will be able to break it down and explain it to you in 30 seconds, a minute, very quickly. And then you're sitting there going, why didn't I see that? Mm -hmm. why, why did I even have that problem? Like, um, and the way that he really uh, can just break it down and explain it. And I know that that sounds very fundamental, but like it's it's a talent, and I, I just don't know that um, very many people can do that the way that he. I mean, he went from coaching high school girls to the WNBA, mm -hmm. and as an assistant, and so he went from you know just coaching good high school girls to the best players on the planet, mm -hmm. and immediately earned their respect. Um, and so I saw it. I mean, like I went to a couple of their uh, training camps in, in Connecticut and, you know, you can see it. Mm -hmm. And so you're not going to get that kind of respect unless you are able to communicate. He's a great communicator um, as far as uh, teaching particular skill and why it's done. And so I, that's one thing that I would try to, that I've tried to take from him uh, to be able to explain things in a in a clear and concise manner on the court and off the court, if needed. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> sorry, I just saw thought of some clear and concise communication that you and I saw in Des Moines this summer that we won't mention on this. So needed a bit of a translation. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I also thought it was interesting, G, you know, you're, you're an Omaha guy. You went to prep, which is, you know, class A Catholic school, uh, coached at prep, went to, went to Bellevue West. And then you went to the Yukon of Nebraska. As you said, you go to, you go to a, a D one school. Uh, you, you probably had more kids, easily you had more kids in the building at Bellevue West than you had in the entire town of Shelton and the surrounding area. And, and so it, it, it had to be, um, it had to be a, a big change for you, obviously, but then you, you know, you, you go, you're going from a class A situation. That's all you've pretty much been in since you're, since you started. And then you're going to a D one school and then you work your way back up to the class A level. Uh, how how did you have to change your mindset going from uh, a class A to a head coach of a D1? Did you have to change your expectations? Did you have to change your um you know your thought process on anything or or was it you know just what what was that process like going through the, uh, for that going you going through that? I can't talk all of a sudden. So Oh, you're fine. I uh um well first of all, we um we, we had some pretty good athletes, you know, like their girls, the girls track had always been pretty good, but the basketball was like I said, Oh, and 19. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, the, and a lot of times clearly everybody knows that when you're Oh, and 19, 
you're not going to be losing these games by a bucket yeah. or two here or there. I mean, you're getting drilled. Mm-hmm. And so, um, really, um, when as far as like um, what what I had to change, you know, like it was just trying to to navigate some of the um, other things that these kids had going on. Because, um, you know, like in a school that's a, a C2, D1 type school, you are going to share a lot of athletes. Um, otherwise, you're just not going to be able to maintain. But like just trying to set that expectation and then um, just trying to hold them to it and say that, you know, you you can be better than, than what you've shown. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was just kind of more of... Um, just believing in those kids than it was anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Build, building them up and making them think that they're better than they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought, I, I sincerely, you know, like, I was just listening to John Gordon podcasts a while ago, and I think that he was the one that said something about the curse of experience. And, and so, like, you've got, you know, like, sometimes, like, if I were to go back to that job now, I'd be like, oh, this is great. We don't have anybody that can play. Blah, blah. You know, like at that time it was my first head coaching job and I'm like, man, we're going to, we're going to, you know, set the world on fire. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know, and, uh, you know, and I think the kids kind of just kind of bought into, mm-hmm. hey, maybe we can be better, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that, you know, this guy does believe in us. And, and, um, you know, so, um, but to answer your question, I don't think that I really had to change much uh-huh. of what we were going to do. Like I, you know, looking back on it, I I was just all I did was try to be Scott Hawk, which was a huge mistake because I'm not Scott Hawk. Mm-hmm. And so, but we did do some things dif- different schematically than what we did at Prep or Bellevue West. But you know, um, I, I don't feel like it was what, once you have kids in the gym, they're kids in the gym, and yep. it doesn't matter yep. if they're in a small town, a big city. Um, you know, the there are some differences with. Um, how you play, I think, like around here at the, you know, the, the, the class A level, there's just, you know, um, a lot more people that are just going out and, and playing. Um, whereas like in a smaller town, they've been learning the same offense since they were in third grade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot more like pattern type stuff or like, you know, there, there's a lot <clears throat> like your scouting reports for, a class A are, are way more based in like individual tendencies, I yep. think. Whereas in the smaller towns, it might be uh, more schematically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but as far as like what I had to change, it, there really wasn't much. Um, just try to have an expectation of stuff in the weight room. Mm-hmm. There was only maybe like three or four girls that would come to the weight room. Mm-hmm. And so like that was, you know, that took some time and just expectations like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to be here. Um, when I ask you to be here, cause sometimes, you know, it was, that was a, that was a struggle, uh, early on. And, uh, what, what do you mean by that? Like, like they, they were thinking about uh, doing other things or I, you I know, mean, they were just, I mean, you know, there's, you know, one of my favorite, favorite players I ever coached, like she missed a workout or came late to a workout cause she was getting a tattoo <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm like, because you know like in my mind it's like you know this this needs to be a priority this is number this should be number one you know uh-huh. or i mean obviously after god and family and school, sure but i mean yeah. like it should be above getting a tattoo and yeah. so just things like that 
Um, I know that's an extreme example, but just... What if it was a piercing? If it was a piercing, would it have... Like, if she was getting her ears pierced, how would you have handled that? Same way. Okay, all right. This is ridiculous. All right, okay. Just making sure. Yeah. You know, like, I just... um, You know, I had to send a girl uh, off the bus one time uh, there because I didn't think she was dressed right. Mm -hmm. You know, I I said, we're, we're, you know, my... uh, we're representing our, our community, our school, our family. You're, we're not, you know, uh, gonna gonna show up like this. So just kind of trying to change some things with that. And then, uh-huh. you know, um, so the first year we won three games, uh-huh. and then the next year we won twelve. Uh-huh. And um, you know, a few of those games that we had lost, we were very competitive against teams that were state tournament teams, uh-huh. and that was on unthinkable just a couple of years ago with the same kids really uh-huh. i mean um you know we played some freshmen that, that were uh contributors but they just really started to believe in themselves and it was a really cool thing to see yeah so you make the move to sutton and and you know which you know was a much bigger town like you said you went from a d1 to a c2 um and yeah, you, you, the big, the big jump of four hundred. <laughs> there, you see, that's 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 thirty percent more people. Yeah, thirty percent more people. So, um, rough, roughly, you're the economics teacher. I just teach straight history, so you know the numbers better than I do. So, uh, uh, but uh, you know, you uh, you have a great run. You, you have the the Van Kirk girl who was an outstanding player, um, and you know state runner up and then you and then you make the jump back to to class a and how did those how did those seven years of being a, a head coach in those situations uh help you prepare for now and how how do you think you've evolved um you know over over your career what do you what do you feel like you've you've really learned and and gotten better at as you've as you've done this job as long as you have um i think that um communicating is something that uh is like an ongoing thing for any human being Mm -hmm. uh, as long as they're alive and so i feel like i've tried to make a a conscious effort to be much more intentional with uh, my communication how i say things my body language uh things that things of that nature where before you know like early on i think a lot of us are uh, you know, like I know I was kind of like, oh, this is about me. You're lucky to have me as a coach, you know, yeah, just very stupid, immature thought process. Um, and so I, I see now that I'm the lucky one and that's kind of flipped, you know, mm-hmm. how I approach things. And so, um, just trying to be, um, what just trying to be the coach that they need. Like I come in and, you know, try to think, you know, uh, who needs me today? Would they hire me again today? Would I want to play for me? And so, um, just going through some of those things, uh, every day or every other day, uh, kind of helped guide me a little bit more and realize that it really is about the kids more. I mean, it's not about me at all. And so I think that that's, my thinking in that has definitely evolved, but um, I would say that would be the, the number one thing is just the communication and organization. I mean, like at uh, at Papio South, there is 
so many parts of the job that have nothing to do with basketball. Exactly. And, yep. and that was something that is so different. Um, you know, like the group that we had in Sutton was special. I mean, Sutton's been good for as 1976 or seven, whenever they first had the, had the very first girls basketball team that came out. Mm-hmm. They've been good forever. Mm-hmm. And so like there, I wasn't sitting there trying to figure out, well, how can I make sure these girls like each other? What, what team building stuff can we do um, to make sure that these guys won't kill each other? What mm-hmm. kind of, you know, and, and so th- those guys just, they just did it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they just grew up together. They're just like, this is who we got. This is what we're doing. It was ingrained in the culture of the town and the school. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, it was the families. And mm-hmm. then, and uh, you know, so like they just, all they needed for me was like some basketball stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and they probably didn't even need that really. I mean, they needed a safe bus ride for a lot of the games. You know? <laughs> but, uh, Could you unlock the gym you know, for us coach? And then we're good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll sweep the floor for you. And, you know, but, but really, um, then you get to Papio South and like, there's a ton of stuff that has nothing to do with basketball that you got to do. And mm-hmm. so you, really have to be a lot more organized um and so which is good because it makes you a better coach but Mm -hmm. you know like as far as like a maybe like a master plan for um like i've got a calendar you know with every month and then like checklists here's all the things i gotta do in this month and this month and it could be like for junior titans it could be for any any number of things, mm-hmm. you know, and it's fine, but it's just, it's a lot different. So mm-hmm. you've got to trust your assistants. You've got to turn some things over, which I didn't do early on. Yeah. Um, I try to do it all myself because I still feel like basketball is one of those sports that you probably can't coach by yourself. But, you know, the, the higher level of competition as you go and, the number of kids that are involved and the number of responsibilities you have to be able to delegate more. And so I've gotten a lot better at that and hopefully being clear with our assistants about what I'd like them to do. And, um, you know, I try to think, you know, if I became an assistant again, what, what would I want Mm -hmm. from the head coach and try to approach it that way? And I'm not perfect by any means. So, but it's just being more aware of it and trying to, uh, get better at it. I think, you know, that's something when, when I got back into it and I've, and I've said this on my podcast multiple times that I needed to delegate more stuff and to spread. And I think that's one of the things that just, I got fried with was, mm-hmm. you know, not delegating that out more. And it was a thousand percent my fault. And the, the great thing about my new job is I've had so many people that have been so willing to step up and take care of those things that has just made my job so much easier. Um, and, and I've been so grateful for that. And, and those type of people, having those type of people around you is so valuable for you as a head coach. And, and it's, it's almost harder to find those type of people that are willing to take on those things than it is just the assistant coaches that want to come in and just coach. Don't you think, G? Yeah, uh, you know, like I, one thing that I've tried to do, and some of them have gone along with it, and some of them I'm not sure if they feel comfortable. I'm trying to include our parents a lot more with uh, 
different aspects of our program because uh, I want them to feel like they're part of it. I want to create uh, a good family environment mm-hmm. um, with, with, with everybody. And sometimes it's just, it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it, it works, you know, like this year and last year. I mean, I feel like the, these, these are just, it's just been a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got the right kid, but you know, maybe it's something like for us, you know, we've got a parent that was doing like the, the online store, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and taking that. And then, you know, it might be organizing senior night. It might, you know, so just <clears throat> letting go of certain things and giving ownership to, to more people uh, is because if they feel more invested, then uh, that's a good thing for, for them. It's a good thing for everybody, mm-hmm. um, you know, to feel a part of, of the program. Because really, you know, we're just kind of like like I tell our kids, I'm just kind of a caretaker for this thing until my time's done. And then somebody else will come in and, mm-hmm. you know, do that. And I just want you to, you know, have as good of an experience as we possibly can, can have here. Mm-hmm. So... And that includes the parents. It includes, you know, everybody. Yeah. Um, you, you and I spent a lot of time together this summer uh, coaching with OSA and, and coaching AAU. Um, what are what are some of the things that you uh, take from your AAU stuff and try to bring to your high school team? You know, what whatever it could be, you know, G. Uh, is, is it a place where you kind of – Hey, here's a good drill. I'm going to kind of tinker with this with my AAU team and see how it would work instead of, and, and, and maybe, you know, if it works well with my AAU team, then I bring it to my high school program or that type of stuff. Yeah, there's, there was some of that, um, you know, coaching with Crable, um, and then watching you practice and watching coach Siski, coach Ryan, you know, yeah, I mean, and, and, and Connor O'Neill and all that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times that I might steal a drill or, like, the way that maybe you or Tom or somebody explains a particular skill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we're all constantly stealing and trying to learn from each other and uh, trying to share that with our kids. You know, one thing I do really pick up a lot during AAU uh, would be stuff for scouting. Like, uh-huh. You know, like if, if they're on our team – uh, you know, that's a huge advantage when we go and play them in the regular season, I think, you know, to say, hey, this kid did this all summer, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, some of that stuff, you know, but, you know, there's there's been times like, um, we, you, you know, kind of cherry pick a, a baseline out of bounds play or, yeah. or, or something like that. Um, you know, one thing that I try to break from AAU is the, the idea that, you know, every possession doesn't matter, you know, like, um, you know, you lose at 11 a.m., no one really cares because you play again at 4, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think that, you know, sometimes, and I, I encourage all of our kids, you know, to play as much as they can AAU, but then, you know, you kind of also run into um, – a possibility of, you know, like, well, my AU coach said, you know, I should, I should step with my inside foot, not hop. And, you know, so you, you kind of deal with some of those things from time to time. Um, 
uh, with with whatever habits that those particular you know EJU program is going to be teaching something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And I just tell our kids, hey, you know that's great for them. You know that's that works at that particular deal. And so you just try to encourage them to learn, mm-hmm. you know, like as much as they can about the game from their AU coach, from me, from whoever. And then try to figure out what works best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you say, "Hey, when when you're here, this is what we're doing on defense," you know, or whatever. So, but I think you know, AU has really, I think, lifted the uh, the level. Uh, I mean, these the girls are good now. I mean, yeah. there's there's just it's a lot more like coaching boys was 15, 20 years ago, where like I legitimately feel like every time we play a game. We have a chance to win, mm-hmm. and we have a chance to lose. Yep. And if you don't play well, you're going to get beat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, I, I joked earlier, but, I mean, my time in Sutton, I mean, honestly, I mean, probably half those games, maybe not half, because when I was there, the, the conference was really, really good. Mm-hmm. For, for a Class C1 and C2 conference, I mean, there was probably, honestly – half a dozen division one players in the conference at the time. Yeah. So there were some kids that could really play, but, uh, but most of the time they didn't, they just needed a safe bus ride, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not the case for most, most programs around here. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and it's a good thing. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, you know, the, the biggest teaching point that I had to bring across to my team this summer, and they were awesome kids. I loved being around them. Uh, they were really fun to coach, uh, but it was just that, like you said, kind of moving past that, well, we lost at 11, we play again at 4, ho-hum. It's like, no, this is a blessing. This is an opportunity. You have to learn how to compete. And, you know, if you you know, if you have aspirations of playing varsity basketball, if you want to, if you want to win a district championship like you and I have been fortunate enough to do, I mean, winning winning a postseason game, the the intensity of that is the equivalent of three or four regular season games. You know, and and so this is you if you can figure out how to bring it every time in the summer, then it's going to be that much easier for you in the winter for your high school team to learn how to play at that intensity level the entire time. And that was, that was kind of the biggest learning curve. And I thought I was really proud of the way my kids developed in that regard. As the summer went along, we got a lot more consistent as the summer went on this summer. I was really proud of the kids for that. So um, that, that was one thing that I took away from, from my coaching experience other than the stuff that you talked about as well. So um Last toughest question I got for you here today, G. You ready for it? What do you got? Do you have any breaking news that you would like to break here on a pen and a napkin about your coaching future at the AAU level for next summer? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. Okay. All right. I just, I had to ask. I, I wouldn't be a responsible journalist if I didn't ask. Yeah, I just, you know, and I'll give you this answer. I just want to have a good practice tomorrow. <laughs> as do all of us. As do all That's of us. Right. I just, I, yeah, let's let's start with having practice. And then if we have practice, let's have a good practice. So, That's right. 
All right. Well, let's transition here a little bit, G. Before we before we fully transition, uh, let's talk about teachhoops.com. Uh, coaches, do you want to have an opportunity to have a hands-on mentor to help you hone your craft as a basketball coach? Look no further than teachhoops.com, a place where coaches go to get better. Coach Steve Collins out of Madison, Wisconsin, shares his three decades of coaching knowledge with, with his subscribers through resources like podcasts, one-on-one mentoring sessions, and much more with teachhoops.com. Go to teachhoops.com backslash A-P-A-A-N. That's a pen and a napkin, the initials, where subscriptions start at $34.99 a month. When you sign up, you get a 14-day free trial. So combine teachhoops.com with a pen and a napkin to help make you the best coach that you can be. So, G, we're going to jump into our Don Meyer quote of the day here. And I thought that this, you know, so many times... Uh, as the conversation goes, if I, I pick out the quote and it just happens to go to the to uh, the conversation leads to the quote. But I kind of picked out this quote for you today um, because I really, honestly, truly believe this about you. I think you're a, I think you're a hell of a coach. And um, so, as I saw this, I was like, this one fits G perfectly. So, the Don Meyer quote of the day is: If you can do something and not blow your own horn, it sure sounds a lot better. Well, I appreciate that. You know, um, there's there's uh, Don Meyer. I mean, you know, you got thousands of great quotes from from Don Meyer, and I think it's a really cool part of your podcast. Um, but I mean, you know, you you want to be, you know, somewhat humble and hungry, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. feel a, a John Gordon. I think. Well, that's where I read it from, anyway. But. But yeah, I think that, you know, um, like I said earlier, it's, it's not about me. I used to think it was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you don't, if, if you're really, you know, you don't need to go around and uh, tell people, you know, I'm good at this, I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you're good at it, they'll know. Yeah. I mean, yep. and I appreciate you saying that. I feel the same way about you. And, um you know, I, I know that a lot of coaches, myself included, I mean, you, you, it's hard to go through a day without thinking of something that you learned from, from Don Meyer. Yeah. Really. You yeah. Know, like, um, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. so, there's a reason why he's the goat. There's, that's the reason why he's the goat, you know, and, and, uh, uh, yeah, I've already bequeathed my Don Meyer DVD collection to my to my two boys here. So, uh, you know, they'll have to split it between the two of them. But uh, I, I still, you know, what's one of the things I did in quarantine is I just went back through all yeah. 40 DVDs and, and took notes all on them all over again, you know, uh, just to pick up a little thing here and there. And uh, it was it was a great exercise for me to, to go through that. So... I've got some old school VHS Don Meyer stuff. Uh, I don't even have a VHS player anymore. I don't think around here to do that. But my one of my favorite Don Meyer quotes was, you know, or is just discover your gift, develop it, and then give it away every day. Yep. You know that that's something that you know, like I have a quote of the week in my classroom, and you know, I I usually you know any Don Meyer quote's a good one to go to for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really I really like that one. Um, so yeah, you're right. He is the goat. There's yep. no question about that. Yeah. So. Um. Well, gee, let's get into your coaching philosophy here. Let's talk about what what you do at Papillion La Vista South. Um. Uh, 
Let's start with, you sent me four or five things. Let's start with, we haven't talked about this for a while. Uh, let's talk about practice setup and structure, uh, what your assistant coaches do, what your managers do. Um, just uh, go ahead and, and, and talk to us about what you've been doing in practice this last week. I know for me, I'm always looking at ways to make practice more efficient and and better. I, I think that's the core of being a great coach is, you know, Al McGuire said, if you're going to be a great team, you better have great practices. And I've always put so much emphasis on practice plans and, and that type of stuff. So I'm really interested to hear what, what you have and, and, and what you're doing down there in Sarpy County. So, so let it rip my friend. All right. Well, well, when we, when I come up with these practices, you know, it's, you know, you try to look at the overall, the big picture and, my, my number one question usually seems to be like, how do we get this group to maximize their potential? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so some of the things that I think about with that, I mentioned one earlier, is to try to set those roles for the players. Um, you know, and that's something that I think is an important part of practice because so that they know what they're supposed to be doing. Not just like you're a rebounder, you're this, you know. So, but uh, I agree with you. I think that planning a good practice is is the most one of the most important things that we do as as a coach. Um, like what I tell our kids is that you know, like I, it's it's I owe it to you. Like if I just came in and said, well, I don't know, guys, I don't know what what do you want to do. You just want to, you know, uh, shoot around for a little bit, play eleven man, and go home. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just like in the classroom. I mean, like a teacher comes in one day and does that. Kids are going to think it's cool. But then if they do that the next day and the next day, they're going to know, well, this guy doesn't really care about me. Yeah. And so I think I owe it to them to be prepared and then help them as much as I can. And uh, so I just think it takes a lot of serious thought and breakdown since there's a lot of things uh, that, that go into that. So one of the things that I picked up years ago, I was listening to Larry Shiat talk, and he had um, a defensive syllabus. And so what what I just thought, you know, gosh, we do that in class. Why don't I do that for basketball? So you try to have the first two, two or three weeks of practices planned out, and obviously you'll go and adjust them. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, just try to make sure, hey, you know, what, whatever defense you're playing in that year or whatever is important to you, make sure it's in there, you know, and, and, uh, make sure you got your checklist of things just like you would in the classroom. You know, what are our objectives? What are, what are we going to try to do here? Um, and then gain, try to just ask your assistants, like we're, I'm trying to gain a bunch of insight from them on a lot of different things. So, um, what, something that I, that I'm changing a lot with, with my coaching is to like triple down on what you're good at. Uh-huh. Like, I think that a long time for a long time as a coach, you know, you'd say, well, you're not very good at this. Let's work on that. And then I thought like, gosh, you know, if I worked on chemistry a lot, I would still suck at it. And what, so yeah, you want to work on this a little bit, but you know, why don't I just worry about being really, really good at what I'm good at? And uh-huh. then, kind of just, you know, kind of a cheesy statement, but, you know, soar with your strengths, you know, just do, uh, you know, be, be you and be what you're good at. And so, but really we'll start out practice with some sort of a huddle or something. Usually, um, what I try to do, uh, well, before the Rona was, you know, I try to 
fist bump or acknowledge every single human being in the gym. Mm -hmm. And I can still acknowledge them, but I mean, like, I was a big guy, you know, like, we try to talk to him about high fives and fist bumps and different things like that. Personal touches. Yeah. 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 Um, And then... We'll try to spend some time every once in a while in like a team building act, just a fun activity. So like I might say, all right, get in groups of three and talk about your favorite movie. Get in groups of three and talk about your favorite TV show. Get in groups of three and talk about what you're going to do to get better today or something like that. Um, and so we try to do that. And then uh, years ago, I heard um, uh, I so basically, long story short, I think that you have to let girls be girls um, for for the first. Like we get done with school at three twenty, and so I start we start practice at three thirty. Three thirty, you know, this is what we're doing, and it was always a disaster. And I always got better, and and so, and then um, it was just like, hey, you know, you're not going to change these girls. I mean, like girls are going to be girls. And so they need to have that little time to talk. And, you know, um, you know, I got that from Anson Doris Dorrance. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a great book. Have you read his book? His, I have not. Oh. I've seen like the video, uh, YouTube clips and you yeah. know, him speaking at various things. And that's who I stole that from. Let me look. I think um, it's called The Man Watching G. I'll look it up real okay. quick here. Um, but yeah, I would, if you are a male and for those of the, for, for our listeners that don't know who Anson Dorrance is, he's the legendary, uh, women's soccer coach at North Carolina. Um, and if you are a male coaching female sports, I cannot recommend that book enough. Yeah. It's called the man watching by Tim Crothers, C R O T H E R S. Uh, gee, if I were you, I, I would buy it, and I I wore out two highlighters going through it. So, okay. yeah, that's it's a really really good one. So well, I believe it. Yeah. So sorry, Did, didn't mean to interrupt you there. Go ahead. No, we're just chatting. Yep. Um, so, um, so I just for, from three twenty to three thirty five, I tell them just you're just be high school girls, talk about whatever, and you know I I may not go in the gym. Because I don't want to see them holding the basketball underneath uh, <laughs> their arm and sitting there talking. But, you know, once I started to do that, again, it's not about me. It's about them. So they get that time. Um, and then, you know, the trade-off is, is that our practices start better. And then we have a better practice. So um, once I started to do that... We started to, to have better practices. So, um, just little things like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the other stuff um, that I'm trying to change this year, uh, we haven't done this yet because it's kind of been a mess with um, so many kids gone. Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to think of a way to have them do like little practice cards before practice, um, you know, and then give them immediate feedback after practice and then that way you can say hey this was your goal um and i'm trying to hold you accountable to your goal you wrote this down i didn't tell you this so um I, i'm going to try to do that probably uh this week and then just talk to them afterwards or during and because i i think that'll force them to think about what they're going to do before they go on the floor because a lot of times i mean they're not thinking you know 
they're not thinking about, well, what am I going to do to get better today? They're just going to go out there and do whatever we ask them to do. Yep. Um, another thing that we started this year is, um, like, I talk way too much at practice. And so um, I've told my assistants and myself, I mean, like, after the first couple weeks, I think you gotta you got to talk a little bit. But then after that, um, I, I, I think I said seven seconds. Mm-hmm. And if we need to talk to a kid for more than that, take, get them out, put somebody else in, and let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because I talk way too much um, at practice. So I think those are a couple things that we're going to try to tweak this year at practice. But um, And then something I picked up that, um, I mean, people probably do this all already, but like I was listening to uh, umpteen thousand uh, clinics or whatever uh, on the pandemic deal when we were shut down. And, um, you know, Kelly Graves, you know, uh, Oregon women's coach, um, has daily vitamins is the term that he used. And I really like that, stole it from him. Um, so you just, we, we picked three or four things and say, Hey, these are going to be, uh, our daily vitamins for the year. Um, and that, that's what we're doing, you know, mm-hmm. and I make sure that we've got, uh, each of those in our practices every day. So um, what do you, what do you mean by daily vitamins, RG? Well, just some of the things that we want to make sure that we do every day of practice. So mm-hmm. like, you know, you want to take your vitamins every day. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to do, certain things that practice every day. And so uh, for us, those things are going to be, um, the first one is going to be um, ball handling. Um, so, so we're going to do some sort of ball handling all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so it might be something where um, I lead it, but most of the time it's going to be the kids leading it. So it might be a one ball, two ball, uh, stationary, on the move, whatever. Um, and then another one of our daily vitamins is going to be competitive shooting. So we went and spent, uh, I think it was $400 on like a, a big whiteboard. And uh, we picked five to seven shooting drills that we liked and the kids like. Um, and then we just, we compete. And then they get to write their names on the shooting board. So if like, if I beat somebody in a shooting drill, I can go and erase their name off the deal and then write my name on there and then talk some smack to them. <laughs> and then they get upset and they want to do better. So um, I think I got that a few years ago at, at a clinic. And then I, you know, that, that was something that, that we added that's been really, really good is that shooting board. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the vitamin deal would be some sort of competitive shooting where there's a time component or a score component. Um, and then they're just trying to beat the time or the score themselves, you know, whatever their uh, record was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, some sort of like passing, passing and catching. You know, I heard Dana Alton say one time, you know, passing and catching is the most important part of the game. And I'm like, yeah, I suppose it is because you're not going to be able to shoot if you can't pass <laughs> or catch. If you can't shoot, you can't score. Yeah. You never win. So. So we try to do some things with like where there's um, like some peer pressure passing and stuff like that. Um, And then position work, you know, uh, that's something, you know, one of my many, many downfalls as a coach was like if I needed to cut time from practice because I was talking too much, usually it would be position work. And I just told our assistants this year, you will not let me cut 
this uh, section of our practice. And then the fifth one would be, I think, was a game changer for us. Is, uh, my assistant coach is Jared Johansson, and um, he's our girls' track coach as well. And so what, what, um, what I've done with, with him uh, what he's done for us is I just say, you got 10 minutes a day, you do whatever you want. I don't even really, I mean, I watch, I cheer and, you know, and all that, but I have no idea what he's going to do. I, I just trust him. And, um, so it's, it's basically like, we call it like athletic or dynamic development. Mm-hmm. And so it's like 10 minutes of just trying to help them be better athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he'll run them through all this stuff. I don't understand it. I couldn't do it, I, but, but he knows it. <laughs> He knows it. He can do it. Um, and I, I believe wholeheartedly in it now. Yeah. Uh, and he's been a very, very important part of, uh, of our success, um, with, with a lot of different things. Um, and so, but that's, that's, those are our five daily vitamins. So mm-hmm. we're going to do those five things every day, mm-hmm. uh, in some form or fashion. When, when I got, when, when I took over my, oh, well, even before I took over this uh position you know i had you know i'd spent the the couple of years you know even though i wasn't coaching i was still coaching and studying the game and and doing stuff and and trying to improve myself and uh um you know i narrowed my thing down to to four things you know just basically four pillars uh you know we're gonna have a great culture every year uh we are going to shoot at least 30 minutes every day we're, we're going to get shots up. You know, our goal is to have each player get 200 shots up every day. And, and then that includes their, their warm up. Uh, but we, we want to try and get 200 shots up every day. I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned is you were talking about, well, you can't shoot unless you can pass and catch it. Well, you can draw up all the greatest plays in the world that you want but if the kid isn't going to hit the shot at the end of it, it doesn't matter how good the play is. And so we, I needed to do, and, and for me, I would, you know, you and I are kind of kindred spirits, G neither one of us were very good basketball players. Uh, but the one thing I could do and I can still really do is I could really shoot the ball. And, and one of the things that, that I did not do as good a job of was just assuming why is this so hard for you to, not hit a wide open shot. This is really simple. Get yourself square, get your shoulders up, snap your wrist off, knock down the shot. And and I did not do as good a job with that as I could have. So we need to do, and one of the things I recognize is in, is in my own blind spots was I've got to do a better job of teaching how to shoot the ball and what we want to do and the mechanics of it and the shots that we want to take and that type of thing. Um, and then the third thing was we want to control the tempo and you know, we kind of arrived, you know, as I studied, you, you know, you and many other coaches um, and took kind of a 30,000 foot view was, you know, what are ways that, you know, what are things that we can implement to to control tempo, whether we want to speed it up or whether we want to slow it down. And then and then the fourth one I left blank. I said, you know, we're just that that fourth one is blank every year and and we need to fill in that blank whatever that team needs that year that'll be our fourth pillar for this for this first year it's it's all about valuing the possession 
you know, that they, they turn, you know, we, they turned the ball over too much last year and, and we've got to, we've got to value the possession. We've got to give ourselves a chance to have a chance. And so that's what we've sold kind of like your daily vitamins, you know, and again, this is just stuff we're throwing out here to give our listeners different ideas to, 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 to look at ways of, of doing stuff. Um, that's, that's what, that's what I did uh, with with our team this year, and uh, you know, through six practices, I think we're getting better at those things. You know, so so yeah. just I mean, that's that's all you can do. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. I mean, um, I you know, like you're talking about the tempo and controlling uh, the possessions and all that. Uh, I just it made me think, like you know, we this year and last we try to play fast. And then, you know, so I have to think like, you know, what's an acceptable number of turnovers in a game? Because you're going to turn it over when you're playing fast. Sure. You know, and and so I, I thought it was like 12 to 15 maybe in a high school game. Like if you're playing fast and you're trying to snap the ball down the floor and take mm-hmm. some risks and all that. So I kind of like that. You know, when you say control the tempo, I think a lot of times people think that you're trying to bring it to a screeching or beat it up so that you know it's just mm-hmm. crazy yeah and that's not always the case you know so um i like that you know leaving the fourth one blank you know and just trying to figure out what that team needs that year to be successful because each team like you only get one chance with each team like yeah. every team is going to be different every year mm-hmm. uh in high school mm-hmm. you know you know i suppose pros the only one where you might keep the same roster yeah um yeah, well, even then, even then, even then it's a long shot. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, theoretically, I mean, you you could keep it together more so maybe than a high school where you've got graduations and all that. But. Well, yeah, and and I think with like uh, controlling the the, the tempo. Um, you just have to find the tempo that's going to be most successful for your for your team. You know, exactly. I mean, you know, you saw uh, my summer team play. Well, we were best when those kids were just flying around and we were pressing and trapping and trying to do crazy stuff and 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 that type of thing. Uh, with my high school team, well, it's going to be a different type of tempo. You know, if we can, I, I think we're able to play faster just by you know, the, the roster pieces that I have with this group compared, uh, to, to what they had on film from what I saw on film last year, I think we'll be able to play a little bit faster this year, but we just got to take care of the basketball before we do anything else. And I think that, you know, that constant development of pillar one, two, or three, um, you know, if you can, if you have a great culture, you're going to get kids in the gym, they're going to be excited to be there. And if you, if you can shoot, and if you can play the tempo that you want to play at, then that gives you a, a little bit more flexibility as as hopefully you develop things to uh, make that that fourth pillar. Uh, you can hopefully start narrowing that down a little bit more the more you develop your program. At least that's what we're hoping to do as well um, as we develop players and, and develop kids within our philosophy and their expectations and that type of thing. So, yeah, Very well. So. Um, some other stuff I think with practice, um, that, you know, that I've kind of evolved or tweaked a little bit um, would be to, to try on my best to um, finish with something that is fun. Yeah. Um, or something that they enjoy. Because I think, like, um, you know, I would post the 
practices, and I think that they just look to see, first of all, what time they're getting out <sighs> and when, when there's conditioning. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of the time now um, we'll do a lot of different things to kind of what I, I even tell them. I'm like, hey, we're kind of tricking you into conditioning now. Yeah. You know, because if they're doing certain things, they don't think that they're conditioning, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that that's something that it's, I've evolved with a little bit. Um you know, like it could be like an individual, usually it might be like an individual or a team challenge, shooting competition, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something something like that, mm-hmm. um, that that they kind of enjoy. So they leave the gym happy, mm-hmm. you know. One of the things that I stole from uh, Coach Showalter um, would be the communication circle. Uh, we, we have the communication circle at the end of our practice. Uh, you know, we don't hold hands this year, but... Yeah. We'd have the girls hold hands and then, um, you know, I would say something, you know, like tell your teammates something uh, about them that you admire. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you need to have a special team for this one, but I heard coach one time say, you know, ask or tell them, say, look at your teammate in the eye and tell them something they need to get better at. Yeah. And I thought, gosh, you really want to get out of your comfort zone with that. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, but you, might, you might want to put a seating arrangement in before you do uh, that one yeah. in certain situations. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so, but I'll tell you what, that, that changed a lot of, I mean, because like if there's something like if I ever like say, okay guys, you know, good practice, see you tomorrow, they, they get mad. They're like, communication mm-hmm. circle like they look at me and they're like hey communication circle i'm like all right all right you're right yeah, yeah. you know so i know that that's something that they really enjoy um because i think it helps build that like you know family atmosphere that that i think a lot of the girls crave mm-hmm. um you know be, being around uh, their friends and 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 you know a lot of times you know uh um they might play for a different reason. I mean, like a lot of times girls like to play with their friends. Yep. Um, you know, more so than maybe a dude would. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, so I mean, also, I mean, like I've tried to, I heard Shaka Smart say, you know, like if you want to play fast, you need to transition from your drills faster. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that's something that we try to do is to not have as much time, not, you know, so obviously you've got to have them named, you've got to have them taught well, and then transition quicker. So that helps you to practice at the pace that you want to play, if you want to play fast and um, that type of thing. And well, I'd like to hear your take on this. One thing I struggle with sometimes is like, okay, if you, you're working on something at practice, mm-hmm. I mean, do you continue to work on it until you're comfortable with it, or do you say, all right, we're moving on? We're moving on to the next thing because we're not going to get it today. Or do you just say, all right, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again until they get it. Not necessarily perfect, but to the point where you feel like they should get it before you move on to the next thing. I I think it depends on your team and your situation um, and, and where you're at. Um, mm-hmm. For for my team, like right now, um you know we're we're doing our best to to build up our kids and 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 to we keep 
you know, a couple of phrases that I keep using with them is, you know, to create a, a championship culture, vision, and habits. And before you before you become a champion, you have to to practice like a champion. And so um, we we. For example, we had a drill. We we introduced a drill on Friday. We called it, it it's five minute shooting, and it's you know it, we shoot for five minutes, but it's quick changes. It's it's uh, this for a minute, this for a minute, this thing for two minutes, this another thing for a minute, and we and we shoot for five minutes straight and keep a score and that type of thing. So so the first day on we did it on Friday. The first time we did it, they struggled with the execution of it. Uh, but they were trying. They were trying. They just didn't know what they were doing yet. So it's like, okay, let's do this again. Let's do this again. Now that you kind of know what you're doing, let's do it again and let's see what happens. Well, they did it the second time right away, and they they got like 25 more points than what they did. So we're like, okay, and we had it scheduled yesterday morning, and we we're going to start, okay, five-minute shooting. Let's start this out. Well, um, the kids busted their tails all week. Um, and they're just, they're just didn't have the same legs. We had quick turnaround, even though we shortened practice on Friday, yada, yada, yada. And, and we didn't do much better than we did the, uh, than we did the first time we did it without knowing what we were doing. So this is the third time we've done this drill in less than 24 hours. And our, and the third time we did it was barely beat the first time that we did it. And so I brought them together. I said, okay. And it was already on the schedule anyway. I said, we're ending today with five-minute shooting. I see us not being where we need to be at mentally here, where our concentration isn't here, this, that, and the other thing. One way I'm going to really grade out this practice is, how do you do this at the end of the practice here today? And and they came back, and they they scored like six or eight more points um, than they did the previous day on the second time that we did it. So they went... You know, they went from like 112 to 118, uh, which may not seem like a lot of points, but when you're only shooting for five minutes, it, it was a pretty big it was a pretty big leap in the in the big scheme of things with it. So, long story short, too late. It, it kind of depends on the situation and the scenario. I'm more of a maybe I'm just not teaching this right. Let's not burn any uh, any more time on this. Let's move on to something else and maybe we need to reevaluate it. But every once in a while, I do believe that you just have to say, look, we're not moving on until we get this figured out. And it's this This is where it is. This is why, and, and if you clearly communicate that in a short amount of time, and if your kids are a competitive group that want to do well, most of the times they're going to get that. Don't you think, G, that when you say, hey, we're just not reading, reaching our standard here. We've got to do this better, and 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 you can't do that every day, G. I don't think, but but I think there comes a time and a place where you kind of have to draw a little bit of a William Barrett Travis line in the sand and say, look, we're we're just not going to do this. Uh, we're not going anywhere until we get this done up to our standard level. So I think it's a fine line to walk, and that's why that's why coaching is an art rather than a science a lot of the times because you you have to know your team and when it's the right time to push those buttons, don't you think? Yeah, I think you're you're right. I mean, like uh, I know for our team right now, like if we're doing something and we say, okay, our goal is to get this in this amount of time, and if we don't get it. Um, that I don't even say anything. They, like they just want to go again, mm-hmm. like because because they know that whatever I say they can do. I feel like like I I really believe like they go well. You know if 
if our coaches tell us that we can make 60 of these in two minutes or whatever it is, that like, we can do it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I just, so I'll just ask them, what do we need to do better? Well, we need to run faster. We need to make better passes. We need to, you know, catch the ball when it hits us in the hands. We need to keep our eyes up and watch the ball through the net. You know, so I make them sometimes say it back to me um, so that they're learning, okay, this is what we need to do to get this cleaned up. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just think, like, you're right, you know, it's a, it's an art more than a science, and you just kind of use your gut yeah. um, to decide when to when to move it along and, and when to, uh, you know, all right, well, we're going to do this again. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I, and I think that, and I think you bring up a great point. I think, you know, let's say you have, you know, like you said, a a 60 point and two minute drill or whatever your situation is. Um, I think the more you say, okay, what do we need? We, we only got 54. How do we get to 60? And, And I think you leave it at that and you force them to, to answer those questions themselves. So they kind of have to, in in the moment, look at themselves in the mirror, both individually as a group and say, you know, they don't have to say, Mary needs to pass it better, but they, hey, we got to pass the ball better. We got to hit people on time on target here. We got to communicate better, whatever it may be. And that forces them to take ownership and accountability for not not their failure, but again, not meeting the standard that you expect or that they expect out of themselves. And the more... I've always told my teams, the more you talk and the less I talk, the better off we're going to be, you know. Absolutely. Player-led team is always going to be better than a coach-led team. And, um, you know, one of my favorite coaches is Mike Neighbors, and I know you had him on. I listened to it a number of times, actually. It was really good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, some of his drills, I, I mean, I use a lot of the stuff I've gotten from him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the concepts from him as well. And one of them is, um, I think he calls it, we call it Maryland shooting. I think that's what he calls it too, is, uh, you know, you just set them up in the lines and say, okay, here's the basketballs. You got a minute. You got to make 15 shots, figure it out. And like, he doesn't tell them how to rotate. He doesn't tell them who to pass it to. Not, they they got to figure it out. And so I've tried to, do that if you do that more at practice so that they can solve something and not always look over at me. I said, I don't want you looking over at me during a game anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, don't ask me what we're in. We're, we're in basketball game. Uh, you know, like just play. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if, you know, so at our practices, we try to, to do different things like that. Um, so that they have to struggle and figure it out themselves. Um, you know, because in a game, we're not going to be able to do a lot for them. I mm-hmm. mean, they're going to have to figure it out themselves sometimes. Yeah, what, what's Popovich's quote? You know, I only got seven timeouts a game. You know, I don't have 25 timeouts to, to stop everything and and and, and walk, us, walk us through it. At, at some point, you, you got to figure it out on your own, you know. And, and I think the more that and i think that comes with experience don't you think g where it's more of you know when you're when you're younger you you want to have that perfect drill and it's like you goof it up just a little bit and you're like okay stop do it over let's get reset let's do this nah you know let it kind of sometimes you have to let it disintegrate to kind of prove your point that you're not communicating enough you're not uh 
I, you know, I explain this, where's your rotation? How do you do this? Okay. Now here's a little reminder as Jeff Ritz would say, and it doesn't need to be anything complicated, but okay. Now figure it out. Let's not stop this again. Let's go, you know, and, and you move on with it and, and you can't do the yelling, kicking, screaming, you know, uh, Bobby Knight type of stuff, obviously, with with that type of thing. I, I just think the more you can, the more ownership you can put on your players for the responsibility of the environment of your team, of your practices, of the experience that they're going to have, the the better the 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 better the situation you're going to put yourself in and and constantly reminding them hey this is your experience hey this is your practice hey this is this is all about you guys how do you want to shape this how do you want to feel when you're done with this and as i've grown and 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 hopefully gotten at least a little bit better at what i'm doing that's one way i've really shifted as well um i, I don't know how you handle things like that i mean what do you think about that about what? Which which part? Just just the the ownership of the experience and and oh, yeah. let, let turn as much as uh, turn as much of it over to them as I can, um, you know. And again, just keep thinking back. You know, this is it's not about me. It's it's about you. What do you want from your season? What do you want from this experience? And what can you do to make it a great experience? You know, like how can I help you with that? How can I help? Uh, how can I <clears throat> kind of, you know, the head coach has to, you know, set the path and do different mm-hmm. things. But I mean, um, I, I get a lot more maybe player input than I would have when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I would have just been like, well, this is what we're doing. This yeah. is what we're doing. Yeah. You know? and, and so, and but I also think, you know, like our the pillars of our program are trust, love, and commitment. Mm-hmm. And so, so we talk to our kids about, okay, what does trust mean to you? What does love mean to you? What does commitment mean to you? And blah, 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 you know, that type of thing. And so you've got to have, I feel like you've got to have the, the right kids to, to trust, to be able to turn that over, you know, Mm -hmm. um, do our kids have integrity? And this goes for coaches as well. I mean, it goes for all human beings, but like just some integrity, consistency, honesty, dependability, um, you can't be a great teammate if they can't trust you. And that leads, you know, into the, our most important recognition, or at least what I try to build up as our most important recognition is our hard hat award. And it just comes from the John, John Gordon book, the hard hat. Yeah. Uh, you know, that book kind of just changed a lot of John Gordon's books. I, I try to read them all, but that one really resonated with me a lot about, you know, because you can take those 21 ways to be a great teammate and just apply them to your own life mm-hmm. uh, just as a human being. You don't, I mean, because we're all on a team mm-hmm. uh, in some form or fashion. And so, um, so we have that hard hat award at the end of the year that goes to the, who the girls vote on as the, the, the their best teammate. And mm-hmm. quite often, I mean, I shouldn't say quite often. Like we've done this for six or seven years, six years, seven years now. And, mm-hmm. It's not always the best player, no. Um, you know, and so that that's awesome. Um, now that being but, said, though, G, if that hard hat award goes to your best player, you've probably had a really, really good season, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like you're, you know, was it Jeff Van Gundy? Your best best player's got to be your hardest worker, or at least that's what I heard say it. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 he tried. He tried about a lot of things, obviously, but uh, but yeah, I mean, the years that because really, like you talk to your team, like if you're not talking to them about like uh, how to treat each other, you know, and, and all that, you know, just nonsense, then you can worry about basketball and. The years that, you know, your, your best player, you know, what's that's another Jeff Van Gundy, your, your best players gotta eliminate, uh, have no tolerance for, for, for like nonsense, basically. Mm-hmm. That's paraphrased, of course. But, yeah. You know, anything that gets in the way of winning, it's, it's your best players that, that are the ones that are going to, uh, nip those things in the bud mm-hmm. before they become huge issues. The coach can only do so much, yep. especially nowadays with the social media and the. Um, and I like social media, but I mean, like, I'm talking more like all of the stuff that can go on that you have no idea about, like the Snapchats, hidden Snapchats, Instagram messages, you know, all that type of thing. But, but yeah, I mean, um, when when our best players have won that award, we've been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the the. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to what I said earlier. The less you have to talk as a head coach, the better your team is going to be. And it has nothing to do with the strategy of, um, you know, are we going to run two two one? Are we going to put in a diamond press? Are we going to do this? You know, or how many set plays are we going to have? You know, those are things we have to talk about. It's the other stuff. The 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 less you have to talk and educate. And I and I and I do think you still though you have to take that time, and I think we're both in agreement there. You you have to continually lay that groundwork. You have to reinvent your culture every single season. That you can't just take culture for granted. You you have to stay on top of that. Uh, but as you but your job is to to maintain it and find ways to tweak it to make a little bit better. If it gets to the point, uh, and if that's all you're doing then that's exactly where you want to be. Um, if, if you're feeling like you have to go in and overhaul this, that, and the other thing, that's, that's when those cultural issues uh, become the real toxic situations. And, and sometimes you can't afford it, or you can't afford it. You can't avoid it. Um, you, can't, you can't avoid it. You can, you can do all the cultural ideas that you can come up with, and you're, unfortunately, there's just, it just doesn't fit together in some ways with the personalities. Has that ever happened to you, G? Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Just a few years ago, uh, it just, things went sideways in a hurry. And, um, you know, I saw it coming, uh, a year before it happened mm-hmm. and tried to be proactive with it, set up meetings with every parent, went to their homes. Uh, every kid on the varsity, we set up, uh, an hour slot, half hour slot, um, you know, and went, went to their homes and visited with them and tried to say, Hey, you know, like, these are some things I'm seeing with your daughter that are kind of concerning. Um, you know, and it, it all went sideways anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, 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 at least in my instance, I felt like I did, you know, everything I could, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it wasn't enough. And so, um, that, that, you know, really 
is tough. Like, yeah. know, I guess I find myself thinking more about like the kids that I've coached that I couldn't reach than some of the girls like a Jamie Van Kirk that um, was just a remarkable player, remarkable human being, uh, just an incredible, I like just a, an absolute blessing to have in my life. Uh, you know, I just, I do, I spend probably too much time thinking about what went sideways because then I'm thinking, you know, what could I have done different? And quite frankly, sometimes the answer is nothing, but it's yeah. hard to come to that realization because I think sometimes like as coaches or as men or as just people, you want to fix everything. Yeah. You know, you want to fix, if you see something, you want to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so, and sometimes, you know, it's just not, not going to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Doc Rivers says, you got to fight for your culture every day. And he's right. Cause if you let that thing slip at all, cause you know, it's just like maybe, you know, it can be in a personal relationship, a friendship, a, a team. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, don't continue to, um, you know, nourish that particular part of a relationship or whatever it's done, Yep. you know, and, and uh, sometimes it's not fixable. Yeah. So. I, I actually have that Doc Rivers thing on my practice plan every day. F-F-C-Y-E. Fight for your culture every day. There it, you go. You know. And it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And you do. You you have to fight for it. And because, you know, the the disease of more, the, the, all of the, the, the dinner table problems that come along mm-hmm. here, you Absolutely. know. All of that stuff, and you just you just have to dig in, and you have to 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 fight for it. And and I, you know, we've all been there. If you do this long enough, you're gonna run into those situations, no matter how good you think you have it. And you just you got to continue to fight for it, fight for it, fight for it, and do the best that you can, and and put your put your team in the situation where they can be the most successful, both on and off the floor. You know, that's our job. You know, that's Absolutely. our job. And then, you know, like sometimes I think two of my most rewarding uh, years as a head coach personally were years that we were 500, like mm-hmm. 12 and 10 and 12 and 12 or, you know, whatever it was, that, you mm-hmm. know, um, because uh, the, the kids were just great to be around. And, yeah. And, you know, just did did things to the best of their ability. And I don't know, it's just a very rewarding experience. And then sometimes um, the years where you win a lot, they're not as enjoyable because there's a particular amount of uh, pressure and outside noise and nonsense and different things that are going. I mean, no matter like I've coached a team that went two and twenty one, mm-hmm. and I coached a team that went twenty three and two, yep, and everything in between. Yep. And so, um, you know, it's just uh, there, there's everything. There's always challenges, yep. and and that that's what's enjoyable though. Yep. I mean, like trying to figure out. Uh, like you said, you know, how are we going to maximize this, this, this team? How are we going to help this team be as successful as they can be? Mm -hmm. Yep. I I actually brought up that same type of example with my team yesterday. We were kind of doing a team bonding thing and discussing some stuff. And, you know, I I said, I I had a team um, that won X amount of games one year and it was a nice season and I was just miserable. I just, just miserable. And the next year we won one less game and it was one of my two or three favorite seasons of all time. Just loved every second of it, you know, and, and that, you know, that correlation, uh, winning does solve some problems, but winning doesn't make the experience what 
what you always want it to be. Um, and I think that's something you learn as you get older as well. Well, if we win, it's a good year. Well, yes, but um, it, it's it's about so many more uh, things than just winning X amount of games when it comes to feeling like you're making an impact and doing things the right that way and you know, just building the program the way that you want it to build, to be built. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Gee, this has been absolutely awesome, man. I hope you've enjoyed being on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and visit. Yeah. Well, we've gone an hour and 31 minutes and change here, and it feels like it's felt like it's been about 45 minutes. So, um, and and we didn't even cover a bunch of stuff that you wanted to, that we were going to chat about here. We just, we just kind of went, but hey, that's, that's the beauty of this type of situation. You get a good friend on, you start just talking and, and you let it rip. So, uh, um, I hope I hope like I said I hope you enjoyed it. Uh it was just great. I think I think coaches are going to get a lot of a lot of good things out of our conversation here today. So uh if you could hold the line here for just a second, I need to wrap up with a couple of things here and uh we'll call hey any social media you want to plug G for for the Titans. Uh we got a Twitter handle. It's um at uh, PLS or PL South, I should say PL South GBB. So it's just PL South GBB. That's our girls' basketball account. Okay, I'll be sure to try and tag that when I when I drop this uh, tomorrow morning. So Very well. we'll get that out there. So, all right. Well, hey, Andy Gerlez, the girls' basketball coach at Papillion La Vista South High School. I want to thank him for coming on here today. Uh, of course, we want to thank our sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Again, if you're in any need of chiropractic services, give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300. Again, if you're looking to uh, hone your craft even more than listening to this podcast or the other podcasts that we have on the network, subscribe to teachhoops.com backslash A-P-A-A-N. That's a pen and a napkin. Initials there. Uh, Coach Collins is a terrific guy to work with there. 14-day free trial. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, the handle uh, at a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, and review the podcast here. Give us five stars. Again, we want to push this up in the rankings here. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Great discussion here with Coach Gerlez, Coach G, the man, the myth, the legend out of Sarpy County here. And again, just walking walking tall in the shadow of Josh Siski. So, uh, coaches, as always, let's pray for peace, let's stay safe, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.